0: This podcast is presented by The Ed Narrative, a place for reflective discourse about education. Visit theednarrative.com to subscribe to this podcast and the blog. And please remember to leave a review on iTunes so that we can grow this community of educators. Hey, it's Darren Ralston. I'm the producer of this podcast. Um, This episode was a long time coming. Um, I've worked with teachers on grant writing for a while now, and I figured maybe it would be a good idea to bring some in who had succeeded. Um, Of the projects I've collaborated on, we've managed to bring in over $10,000 to help fund teacher projects. So I've got Shannon Deegan and Chris Stanek in from Monticello High School here in Charlottesville uh, to help talk about how they went through the process and, and some of the things they feel helped make them succeed in Uh, getting the grants that they had applied for. We are talking about some national grants. I know those are the ones that a lot of people feel intimidated by. We're not talking about institutional level grants. Those are, you know, huge grants intended for, you know, reorganizing whole districts or whole school buildings. These are more of those project-based level grants that, um, you know companies like Toshiba or or something like that want to um, want to fund. So, anyways, this is a good one, um, and I hope you find it helpful.
1: Why don't we get started?
2: That's why, I po- yeah, radio that's podcast. Right. I got a radio right, yeah, face. Just, <laughs> so I <got> dress <laughs> for radio, you know.
0: So, um, so anyways, uh, um, so all right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Yeah.
2: Um, so I'm Shannon Deegan. I teach English. 12th grade mostly and a section of 11th here or there so on the 12th grade team we decided this year to apply for a grant and we got one for uh podcasting equipment ironically as Mm -hmm. we sit here in a podcast to purchase far better microphones than we've ever had we bought a few um quite a few of the highest quality microphones that we could find with our grant from the national council for teachers of english
1: Hi, my name is Chris Stanek, I teach AP environmental science to mostly seniors and juniors, and also earth science to the majority freshmen. I got two grants this year, one for uh, our aquaponics system from Toshiba for $5,000 to set up a full grow room that we can grow anything from uh, cantaloupe to lettuce and raised tilapia, and also a grant from Dominion's environmental stewardship program for beekeeping. So we have four beehives now at Monticello. First of all, what, like, why did you guys go, okay, I want to do a grant?
2: So I can start. I know one for, one of the things I learned early in teaching, probably in my first or second year, was that you have to come into this philosophy as a teacher that your hands are never fully tied, mm-hmm. that you're never locked in to something completely, that you always have flexibility and you always have resources. You just have to find them. So with that spirit, we were talking, um, Sarah and Thomas and I, in the 12th, 12th grade team about how we could get our research projects to be more enhanced more professional more exciting for kids and thomas really was the one who said i think if we had very good equipment we would be able to really convince these kids that podcasting brings research alive and he was really insistent on the quality of the materials we were using as a conduit for better products from the kids
0: Right. Yeah, I remember. I remember going in yes. to see him, and he was like, "I, I want to get a grant for microphones." I was like, "Okay,"
2: and re- then yeah. it
0: went from there into what you just explained. Because I, I, remember just kind of being like, "Okay, that's." I'm not sure where that's going. But, right. Yeah.
2: I was skeptical myself because you know we're with kids all day, and you're kind of, MacGyvering solutions right. all day when it comes to electronics, and so. I didn't immediately see the value of that, but the more he talked about his experiences working with kids on multi-genre projects and on projects like this that right. stepped out of the norm of English and traditional writing assignments, the more he convinced us that this could really be a game changer, and it really was.
0: Right, and I remember having that conversation with you, too. Yeah, You're like, you right. know, I don't know. We'll just use the iPhones. Right. <laughs> yeah. We'll just record on the iPhones. That's what we always do, or, or, or whatever, and... and yeah, it just
2: it changed everything. Kids felt like they were professionals. Mm-hmm. So they started taking themselves more seriously, and that changed the way they saw research. It changed the way they, they delved into this project in general. So um, it was definitely worth it, and he was right. The process was long, and it was complicated, but we had Sarah Orm to guide us. Sarah has been a member of that NCTE council for a time and had applied for and secured grants before. So it really helped to have her in our team mm-hmm. that expertise to guide us to make us feel a little bit more comfortable in the process and demystify it
0: right yeah when I was when I was coming in as a coach on that I, I remember reading the article that she had published and going oh okay I, I get it more now so yeah, yeah. so that was definitely helpful listening to what what Shannon just said, how can you, you know, does that sort of connect with what you were thinking when you were kind of getting into uh, the grant decision process, like that you wanted to go that route?
1: I guess I got into it from the way, I I just had some ideas of things I really wanted to see in my classroom, Mm -hmm. and I would not have probably attempted a grant this year if it weren't for both yourself and Shannon kind of bringing up the idea after we've been working through quite a few beginning of the year as a new teacher, kind of going through the basics We got to a good point where you guys were kind of like what would you like to do what can we help you with
0: right and when when he says shannon it's not shannon deegan who's sitting with us right now but but, uh but shannon cruther who was actually in a previous uh episode so the differentiated coaching just make sure we're all clear but
1: But i I think you guys just kind of said why don't we start looking you you shared some of your resources on Mm -hmm. grants with me and said kind of we already passed the deadline for most grants, so we just started looking for what was available and what might possibly right. fit the aquaponics idea, which was something the students had built a small version of or were working on that and how to take that and actually really implement something that all the students could have access to. So I think uh, I would not have approached it. I think it was kind of an intimidating thing. It was quite a long application, and I, I don't know if I would have stuck with it during mm-hmm. my first year if I didn't have the support of coaches right. or other people kind of, helping me bounce ideas and making me really think of why I actually wanted to do it in the class, not just, oh, this is cool, the kids might find it interesting, Mm -hmm. but to actually really implement something that was going to be integrated throughout the whole curriculum and to really defend why I was doing it, I thought was a good part of it. I mean, just the process of actually writing the grant, spending two months, kind of going back and forth, meeting once a week, um, really allowed me to... Understand that it really did make a lot of sense what we were doing. It wasn't just something that was like something we could do for one unit we'd forgotten about, but how many times we could come back to it. So, I think it helped me as a teacher, and obviously it helped all the students since we got all the funding to actually make it happen. So
0: yeah, no, I mean, and and what I really like about from what I'm hearing from both of you is that it starts with an idea and a need that's suited to the idea, rather than you know like a lot of people when they're like. I want to. want to get a grant. It's because they want something, and they don't really have a defined purpose for it. You know, uh, for many years it was. I want some computers in my classroom, and th- those grants just aren't out there anymore, right? But you know, when when you look at you know where you guys are starting from, with you know, I, I, we want to make sure that these kids are really taking in uh, their project as a, you know a more professional mindset. You know, this is something that's meaningful, or you know being able to integrate something throughout you know the course of your your environmental science coursework you know that that's really where coming into a grant is a good strong position to start from so um, so when it came to searching for the grants how do you how did you know which one was right because I mean I know Chris with you Shannon and I. Uh, helped sort of to track one down. but I know with with you guys with the uh, with the English team here at Monticello, it I didn't track that grant down. I think it was either Thomas it was Sarah or Sarah okay, yeah. it was Sarah that came up with it.
2: And Sarah knew that the grant in particular in particular that we applied for came attached to conference participation. right. So she knew if we were able to get the grant, that would also mean we could go to the NCTE conference and be presenters there Mm -hmm. and use part of our grant to help fund that trip for a team. So it was a really nice grant for exactly what we needed and what we wanted as a team. She had applied for that same grant before in years prior. So that's how we found out about it. I didn't know that. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) She she didn't get that, did she, I don't think so. I think she
2: had published with them, but she never got that. Large grant that we were that we were able to secure. Okay, okay. So um, there too, we needed Sarah. I mean, mm-hmm. it really was this team effort. Yeah. And it had that one not worked out, because once you do all that work for one grant, mm-hmm. you start lighting up thinking of other grants you can apply for. As long as you're doing this application, mm-hmm. as long as you're yeah. putting all this thought into your rationale, so we had a list of other grants we were going to try if that NCTE one did not come through. But it really was sparked. And write.
0: that's and that's a good strategy. Is that You know, coming into it when, not coming into it solo, the ones that I've been a part of as far as securing, all of them, for the most part, have had some sort of team applied to it and a process where you're anticipating there's the possibility that you might not get it.
2: And that team keeps up energy around it as well. Yeah. Because it's an arduous process. It's time outside of our normal classroom days You're putting in extra hours after work. There's, I'm sure, um, plenty of opportunities to get beaten down by that (laughs) if you're solo and you're just working in a dark room by yourself. Mm -hmm. But the team energy keeps you refreshed. It keeps people excited. And you can take leads on different parts of the grant and relax at others. It's really important. And
0: that speaks to also just having a really strong idea of what you're looking for and that everybody's into that I aspect. felt
1: like I you know, I was like accountable to other people that were investing their time right. into this to help me in my classroom as well. So like each week when we were coming to the meeting, I like wanted to have something to make our time worthwhile to go through. You know, I wanted yeah. to have spent my time that week and like not just shown up to the next meeting. Well, I, I didn't have time to do it guys. There's something like mm-hmm. that where I mean having that accountability really helped and also knowing that the time would be productive as well. So right. and I think that made a big difference. Having because somebody's willing to help you with something in your classroom, having a coach, I think mm-hmm. you, you want to make sure that everybody's time is right. used appropriately.
0: Yeah, and and that's one of the things that I, I have to say. You know, I'm I'm a little biased being a coach, but you know, for Albemarle, we have the luxury of having a program like the instructional coaching program where you have that resource. But, you know, if you're not in a district that has that, there's PLCs, there's, you know, team leads, team meetings, whatever, you you know, um, or even just informally working within your department or cross-curriculum, whatever the case may be. But, I, I mean, I, you know, the accountability and then just kind of that camaraderie and, and yeah. collegiality, both of those things, you know, they, they all work together really well when you're heading towards a common goal.
1: There's a real sense of almost like celebration and yeah. and like – i think i mean like we we accomplished that something together i know i learned a lot along the way from you guys and i think it was just kind of you know we spent all that time but to actually have this like exciting reward at the end too right to kind of now we have we could actually implement something we really wanted to you mm-hmm. know and like i don't know i thought it was just well and we did go out yeah we did, I mean, we, go did out, we did yeah, go out yeah yeah
0: so i mean you know it's it's great to, yeah to be able to have that and you know, um, what were some of the things that, let's kind of delve into the specifics of of the process itself. What were some of the things that you were able to pull from the process?
1: I could tell you from myself being a science teacher and both you and Shannon Crutherds having English backgrounds or, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot more experience writing, I think it was beneficial probably for me because I'm somebody who's, you know, stuck in my little bubble of the (laughs) science mindset and you guys are understanding what I'm trying to do. So I'm trying to explain it to you guys, and you're also taking into account that this person re, um, reviewing the grant may not be somebody teaching environmental science or to have really the idea of what we're doing in the course. Right. So by, I think, explaining it to you, I'm putting it in terms in, that everybody can relate to, or that right. like we all understand at that point, and you guys are making me not just stay you know. An, writing about it from somebody coming from my perspective, but making sure everybody understands the benefit of it. So I thought that was good, yeah. too, just having other people in the room coming from different disciplines, kind of.
0: Yeah, well, and, and I think you're right. Like There were some things, you know, I, I didn't know anything about aquaponics when we started working on that grant. So, yeah, and I think mentioning that that idea, if, as English teachers, and, and Shannon, you English as well, you know, we, we drive home the idea of audience when it comes to writing and I think a lot of people when they get into the process for grant writing they don't think about the audience. Who's the audience? Well, it's the people who are going to decide ultimately whether you get it. Yeah. That's I good think point. my
1: writing was my writing as a teacher was actually improved working through the grant <laughs> yeah. process. So, you know, like no, it was good. Yeah. I mean, all around I felt like I benefit I mean, I think we even looked at the goal of doing the grant is like this is another skill that could be beneficial for you to have. We didn't go into it expecting to get it, we thought it was right. a good practice in itself, not just for the pure purpose of getting that money. We all agreed, I think, that it was a good process, no matter what happened or what the outcome mm-hmm. was. I think which we was nice to the, yeah.
0: the ground level yeah. coming into it. Let's not assume that it's a done deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. we're just going through the process. We're, you know, I'm learning. You know, mm-hmm. as, through my coaches, and I thought, I mean, and it did work out too. yeah. You know. yeah.
2: It's so funny because I had such a similar experience, but from the other angle where I'm so confident in my writing, and I didn't also think we would get the grant. I thought it would be fun to do some writing on the side that would just exercise that skill of mine that I don't get to use as much in the classroom. And I neglected to really pay attention to the importance of the grit of it, the research of it. Yeah. So I really the research of the what do you that mean? we needed to include in the grant application. Oh, oh, okay. So we divided up the grant into sections, and everybody took different sections that they were responsible for. And my sections read like some creative nonfiction piece <laughs> that like had no basis in reality. <laughs> they were fun to write, um, and then the other sections were much more nitty gritty about the details of what we were trying to do. So it was really good for me personally to incorporate more research into my thinking. And that's ironic because the project that we were having the kids do was all about research (laughs) and the importance of research. And here I was focusing so much on audience and focusing on craft of writing and neglecting that really important piece about how, what we found in our research that um, multimedia opportunities like this can really enhance the way students think about writing and that writing itself is a skill that students are slipping more and more on as they head to college. So um, the particular skills they cited as wanting help with and research was one of them. So all of that research was not a strength of mine. And by sitting and working mostly with you and with Sarah Sarah Orm, who's really um, well-read in the field and has published a number of times. So yeah, it was really personally helpful. As a teacher, I felt so much more confident in my ability to do research after this project. And that's important in an English classroom that I couldn't just rely on the craft of writing, but I had no idea I'm um, going into it that that would be the thing I gained at all.
0: Right. It wasn't well, even an
2: objective. I
0: mean, one of the other things too, is I hadn't really gone into the projects of doing the grant and everything, knowing that we would even decide to do uh, an article. I mean, I don't... Right. I don't think that got picked up did it. No. no. But we did it and it, you know yeah. it it was like this additional thing that wasn't necessarily required mm-hmm. but we we had enough raw material to work with that we were able to, to produce it.
2: Yeah, so. that really sealed the research, research that sealed the research experience I think for all four of us that unnecessary journal article we wrote at the end. <laughs> but we did. We had all these pieces yeah. collected and it was Post-grant, a kind of wonderful reflective Mm -hmm. moment to sit and try to make sense of why did we do all of this? What was the benefit of all of this? That too had so many professional implications, good ones Mm -hmm. for I think all of us.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I really liked that came out of this project too was just bringing in some of the community for different phases of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, we did the you know the, the panels and we had the the various connections with, uh, you know, like the backstory folks. Um, I thought that was interesting. I hadn't thought of doing that either when we started, you know, so it really kind of grew and we've had a, I mean, Chris, your project's just kind of in its infancy. Whereas, you know, the project that we'd worked on through NCTE, we've pretty much hit all of those mile wow. markers at this point, right?
2: Yeah, we have. So. We had a series of steps we wanted to go through and we've, Piloted it, and now we've done a full version of it. Yeah, and your That's work awesome. there with the community building was so helpful because it did it brought in people who knew a lot about podcasting, or at least a lot about their individual topics, and could inspire the kids to yeah. think about research as something that lives in the world <laughs> and right. not on a Microsoft Word document. Right. Which, really and truly, I think they don't realize till they enact it. till well,
0: And, part and of it. I remember, you know, just the idea of go- going out and. Not just you know, beeline, <laughs> I think, uh, beeline towards, line towards the uh, the obvious, which is you know like academic research. Like you know, we had military research, we had local research with uh, Seville tomorrow, uh, stuff like that. Where people are actually medical research, where we're looking at at fields where there's research involved. It doesn't necessarily mean it's always publishable, right? So, so I think a lot of you know a lot of subsidiary things came out from the main goal. And I think, you know, of course, Chris, with, with you, uh, you know, on the aquaponics thing, you've done your sort of trial run this year with the little uh, tabletop set, and then now you've got the hives going for, from your Dominion grant that you would gotten. Um, do you, ha- I know we've talked a little bit about where you want to go with it, but um, what kind of things do you see sort of heading out of, out of the process?
1: So right now in the beekeeping world, um, we just ordered some hive monitoring equipment. Um, We're in the process of getting video cameras to do some live streams and building our website right now. Um, So we want to have live data available to anybody on on hive temperature, uh, humidity, and the hive weight. So Mm -hmm. we're able to analyze that throughout the year so the weight can tell us when the nectar flow is happening in the local area, the temp and humidity can tell us a little bit about hive health and the difference between indoor, inside the hive, and outside the hive. In the future, we plan to actually turn um, the beekeeping into a small business as well where we're going to package and sell our honey. So we're going to have the marketing side of it. So we'll be monitoring our hives through using technology to you know, bring that part of it into the uh, I guess, realm of the beekeeping world. Right. And also to turn it into a small entrepreneurial business type of thing, we've already have students talking about wanting to make a presentation at the Tom Tom Fest next year, the Entrepreneurship yeah, Festival, yeah. and we're working on dis- label designs. So I think there's just so many different things that are happening with that. The aquaponics will really get going in the fall. Um, we have to wait on uh, some changes to the location, so some building services type things, but we're planning to have really hit the ground running in the fall. Hopefully, with everything in line over the summer. So. Um, that's something we can donate a lot of the vegetables and stuff that we grow to possibly a local food bank. Um, students have talked about going to a farmers market, and we'll also be raising fish there as well. So we're yeah. raising tilapia. So there's a lot of different different angles, and I can already see the students' minds are starting to turn of what else can we do with that now that we're going to have all this honey, produce, and fish so Yeah, kind of from coming kind of from the school, so we're
0: just we're just gonna make Monticello into a self-sufficient. <laughs> nobody has to ever leave. Yeah, <laughs> it's a commune. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I think that what I'm hearing and the way the conversation's going is really looking at this sort of grant process as something that's community building within the school, and also can be community building with, you know. Externally from the school. Um, and, and quite honestly, if you can articulate that in a grant proposal, that puts you already a couple rungs above other proposals that they receive. To, to be able to experience it in the case of the NCTE grant and, and kind of anticipate, I mean, just looking at how the beekeeping club is going right now for you, Chris. Uh, I mean, it, it's good to see that these are resulting in excitement. I mean, I remember sitting with, um, I think it was one of Sarah's students last year, um, when those microphones showed up and we first started using them. Just how they were very cautious. Like you know, like we're in the we're in the studio right now. We've got these. I mean, these microphones are probably about three hundred dollars each, right? And we're we're very aware of them, right? If we had just had like one hanging boom mic, it would be a different. Animal, right? Like as if you got an, a built-in microphone on a computer, you don't pay attention to what you're doing as much. It's not as present. But that little microphone right there, I would watch these kids. Like there were two kids I was working with, both of whom were attendance problems, and you know weren't really very good with with grades and didn't care a whole lot about the school thing. But you put that mic right up there, they were they were going they were leaning in, and they're like, oh man, I got gotta you know, did that sound right? You know, and then, and then they'd back up and they'd, and they'd have a conversation about what they were doing and they go back in and they do it again. Um, and then afterwards, after we'd finished that recording that needed to be edited, um, There was this whole discussion between them if they were going to come in on Friday because usually they skip, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, "Are you coming in tomorrow?" I got to finish this thing, man. You know, okay. You coming in? I'll come in too. Okay, I'll come in. You know. And and it was good to see that discussion happening in front of me, knowing that you know, it sort of took off as a result of those conversations we had early on in the school year last year. Yes.
2: Yes, I think one of the most powerful metrics that I use as a teacher of how engaged students are in the work is what was your um, what was your submission rate how many mm-hmm. students completed the task at hand and with this project it was again for the second year in a row 100% yeah that great. every child wow. in my classes who took this on did it and finished it and sent in the, the product hmm I wish I could say that happens all the time. But <laughs> it doesn't. No, you have no, kids who fall off the wagon, they mm-hmm. decide, oh well, this isn't really for me, I'll take the grade and I'm really not that interested in whatever happens with this work. And with this project, it, it has something to do with those professional expectations. These same students who might struggle in school, they go to their job at four o'clock and they stay till they're done at nine. Right. They they have professional expectations of themselves in certain situations. The key is to harness it and bring it into the room, and convince them that school can also be a place that they treat
0: right. Where there's well, and I think you know to kind of really sort of distill it, it's a, you know something's at stake. Yeah. And right. I mean, you know, how how would you say that that figures into what you've seen with your beekeeping project, which is you know it's still early on, but you've got I mean, you've got kids that are in right now that they're in on
1: it. Yeah, they're there every week. We have over thirty kids that signed up at this point. Um, they take it very seriously. You know, they're concerned if there's dead bees in front of the hive, which, you know, there're always going to be some dead bees. I mean, you hope not too <laughs> I many. I remember they're, I picked up a couple of Yeah, dead yeah. Bees. <laughs> Actually, for another person yeah. I worked on a grant with, so yeah, I gave yeah. Darren a container of dead bees, you yeah. know. So they were doing they were doing <laughs> pollinator hate.
0: studies yeah. in environmental science over at the middle school, and she oh, was wow. like, "God, I just wish I had some dead bees that we could look at I under get you this." Dead bees. Yeah, yeah, I was like, "I, get, you want dead bees? I can get you dead bees." <laughs> <laughs> and that's community, yeah, that's yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah. so
1: Darren now has a dead bee connection. Yeah, so I got yeah. a connection. <laughs> Anybody needs dead bees, you know. No, they take it very seriously. They realize that all of a sudden we're all in charge of, you know, four hives, you know, mm-hmm. and making sure they have food, you know, making sure they have room to grow, checking for any disease or pests. Um, they understand that, like, we're kind of in taking care of them. They all are very interested in planting flowers around the hives. We attempted to plant some wildflowers they really didn't take, so we're going back to that, creating some planters. But students are very interested in doing that to make sure the bees have – you know food close to home right but i mean it really is that i have seniors coming in over the summer once a week to take care of the bees so it's people who are no longer students at monticello high school still want to come this summer once a week to care for the bees that's so really good it's yeah. that's awesome so yeah. i'm i'm excited about that
2: it's yeah. such real work yeah. i think that's what grants allow you to do they allow you to imagine in the world what is something real that I wish I could do in a classroom, but don't have the resources or the funds for it. And then they make that a reality.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and so kind of getting to that, um, the other grants that I've worked with and I want to, cause that it speaks to what you just said, you know, about making something a reality. Uh, one of the grants we got, uh, this year was, uh, around gardening, right? There actually are a lot of grants right now for gardening. Um, and this one was, uh, over at Walton and, the idea is is that the garden it's not it's not an environmental studies or environmental science group that got it. it was the sped department and they wanted to have that as sort of a community building thing within their department for, for their students um, and it was a wish that they had, like you said, to kind of have that thing where almost like you know like that stewardship piece like yeah. thinking of the bees or, or, or the aquaponics once that gets up and running. Um, and, and they got that one, right, because of the way that they were able to articulate the wish for that. Right? If they just said, we want to grow a garden, maybe they wouldn't have gotten it. But being able to go through and say, this is why we want it, that made it
1: clear. I think that makes a lot of sense where it's there's something more in the grant application than just, like you said, asking for something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like why do we want to do? It? It's almost like a mission you're putting down, I think, and mm-hmm. that's if you already feel that way. It's I think it comes through in what you're describing yeah. and creating.
0: Yeah. Um, the uh, also as a coach, what I've seen from from working with teachers on grants is, and you you alluded to this early on, Chris, was that it helps you visualize the lesson or the unit or your program of study as you see it or as you would like it to be right Um, and I think anybody going in for a grant should go into it with the idea that they're going to try and find a way to do this no matter whether or not they get it Um, you know because if you if you go into it otherwise then do you really want it right if everything hinges on that on that acceptance it's problematic if that's you know if it's an all-in type
1: situation it's like your attitude's not like if this doesn't happen. I'm done. But it's more like if this doesn't happen, what's the next step? Yeah. I'll at least try next year. If it doesn't happen this year, I'm trying again next year, or just to keep it going. Yeah. But or yeah, it's like
0: even how can I how can I sort of adjust my plan so that I can still do it to some degree? Start it. Yeah, so the yeah.
2: shadow version of it. Even yeah, it's true because if it's important enough to you to to apply for that grant, if you really believe in the work enough to go through all of those steps, then it should be non-negotiable in your curriculum.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And and that comes through. the The applications I've seen where that's the case, I'd say most of them that I've worked with have gotten accepted. All the grants that you, well, not all, the Dominion grant was a regional grant, but like the NCTE grant and the Toshiba grant were both national grants, right? right? That's not any small feat. But the thing is, and this is something that you learn through submissions processes for even just writing, is that... If you're paying attention to what the grant is requesting, right, and the limits that they put on it, um, and you are writing from a place of passion, right, there may be 350 different people who have submitted grants, but if only 50 of them have that same sort of, you know, this is integral to to what I want to do and how I see my students. If you've got that quality, then all of a sudden those other 300 that submitted aren't really worth considering for the readers.
2: That pool so, dwindles. Yeah, it does. Uh,
0: Despite the fact that it may be huge in numbers.
2: I imagine the people who are offering this money, whoever they are, Toshiba or NCTE, they really want to be involved in a way. They mm-hmm. want to know there's a community, we keep talking about community, that comes back around. This is a loop. It's always a feedback loop. You right. wouldn't get something for nothing. So they won't just give you money because you want it. So you have to convince them, you are part of my community. Mm-hmm. And I need you in my community in order for this thing to become whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Once we believed that, once we really felt it, that, no, actually, this is everything. If we can do this, we can achieve so much that we aren't achieving. It, re- it really rang through our application. It got to the point where very cockily, I guess, I said to Sarah Orm, well, we're going to get it. And she said, Shannon, you can't assume that. Really? It's a really competitive <laughs> Well, process.
0: Thomas Thomas was saying the same thing. I think we got
2: it. Yeah, we were so, <laughs> we were so confident. Because yeah. it felt so right. You know, everything yeah. about that application process, we really bought in fully hook, line, and sinker with this idea that um, this was necessary for us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Sarah was the only one who reserved healthy skepticism. Yeah. And then when we got the grant, we were... We didn't celebrate as much because Tavis and I were pretty satisfied already. Oh, we knew it was going to happen. I don't recommend that (laughs) approach. I think that we were probably naive. But,
0: But, you know, but at the same time, there's something to be said for confidence in what you're doing, right? And, you know, if we're we're going with what we've been discussing, you know, if you're confident in the purpose of what you're doing, then the grant almost becomes secondary. I mean, you know, I, I got the email while I was at a different school and I was like, what? That's great, you know? And, and I was really excited I was like
1: yes yes yes
0: but at the same time I'm like great now we can now we can really dive in and, and you know we know that we don't have to go and scramble for this stuff to do this
2: it's You're, so, yeah we would have again the like guy a solution yeah. if we had to wouldn't it have been as good but we were that invested yeah. by that point
0: well you guys were planning to do it anyway that, that whole process mm-hmm. it's just this was something that would um, create more buy in and it did so, so I guess really, um, I mean, we've covered an awful lot of ground in here. Um, what, um, I guess what I really want to find out too is that, uh, you know, Chris, we worked really hard together as, as coaches and, and, you know, teacher in that, in that first grant, but then looking at, uh, the Dominion grant that you, that you went and you pretty much did that one on your own. Um, what, uh. How did that sort of uh, experience of having one under your belt affect your approach?
1: Well, I think the planning. Uh, I had started, once I realized I wanted to bring the beehives into the school, I started planning out a curricular fr- curriculum framework, which you guys did help me with that part. Right. Um, we hadn't even got to the grant part of it, but we were just really thinking, how could we actually make beekeeping work in the school? So I, I can't remember if it was you or Shannon but somebody gave me a nice template of kind of how somebody actually makes a curriculum framework. Uh, one of our lead coaches was the one who said, you know, I think if Robbie, you're going to Robbie Muncy yeah. was one of the people who said, if you are going to go th- forward with this beekeeping, you really have to you know, come up with how you're going to use it in the classroom. You know? right. So that was, I think, yeah. part of it was just all that planning up front. Well, some that was, of that,
0: too, is because you also have to – because you're doing something in a building with bees – Yeah, You know, that's different than working with fish and plants. Yeah, right? Like (laughs) You've got to be able to sell it to the building, too. (laughs) So I think that was a major
1: part of it. And that that whole process of you guys having me really think my reasoning and how it's tying into what we're actually supposed to be doing in the classroom as well. Like, what is the AP, environmental science curriculum? How does beekeeping fit into that? So I had already kind of planned all that out. Um, That was... Before, I, I think we even had thought we could look for grants or what mm-hmm. we were looking for. Then all of a sudden, this Dominion Environmental Stewardship Grant came up. Um, one of our LTIs, Willie Kellstrom, actually said, check out this grant. You know, This might work for yeah. your beekeeping idea. And it did. And it did, yeah. It did. yeah. <laughs> so I, I had all that information, but I think it was a lot of that whole thought process. I had learned to do that whole thought process from the last grant before I was even looking at beekeeping as a grant opportunity. I was just yeah. looking at beekeeping as something I could do in the classroom. Um, So having that all planned out, when it came to actually filling out that grant application, it was easy. And it was easy because I already thought about the whole reason I was doing it. I had almost put together the pitch of why this makes sense, why we should do it as a mission, why it's important to the community outside of the school. Why why are bees important to human existence? I just thought it was like we had the whole thing we've been talking about, really, the mission. I mean, a large mission for why we're doing it. Um, and the plan, like the whole process, was thought through before I even looked at a grant application. And right. having that, like you're talking about, you guys would have done it either way. This was something I was doing either way, whether it was one hive I was buying for myself for outside the school, or something we got a grant for and have all the suits for everybody. We at least that it was happening either way. That, that's right. what it came down to. I was already in the class learning about beekeeping. I'm we're doing it. <laughs> I guess is what it came down to. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't right. it, I think that was the biggest lesson I learned from you guys is just how to take a big idea and actually implement it or make a plan to implement it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm still in that process of implementing it, so I guess I don't know how to do it yet. But we, I have a plan, and if I stick to it, then I think it's all going to make sense. So, yeah.
2: It's such an interesting connection that what it really does, the grant, it crystallizes what you should be doing if you're an effective teacher – and it's what you just said, Chris. It's conceptualizing all the way through from beginning to end of your whatever unit is, whatever the curriculum is. Why am I doing this? Why does this matter? Why do the kids need to know about this thing? And what am I going to emphasize? What do they, what do they have to show me? What do they have to learn? Why do they need to learn those things? It just builds in such good rationale yeah. around all of the pieces that we as teachers feel are important to design into curriculum. But it's true all of that thinking happens before, yeah. In, in a good system anyway, when it works well. And then the grant just caps it off. It's this wonderful capstone that almost validates yeah. all of the thinking that you've done around the work.
1: Somebody else agrees with your yeah. plan. Yep. Yeah. And
0: they want to be part of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and putting it into words it makes me think of sort of uh, this saying, I don't know who said it, I'm not even going to pretend I know who said it, but, you know, I didn't know what I thought until I had to write about it, you know, or, or sometimes I've heard it put, I didn't know what I thought until I taught about it.
1: I, I really would agree with you, Darren. I think it's like that whole, mm-hmm. how does going through my whole plan for the year and how does it fit in here, how does it fit in here, how can it replace a lab of something I just got in a box from a science supply company? How right. can I do this now that it's real and the students actually have a bigger understanding of something? It's not something I pull out of kit. Yeah. Which I'm not saying there's any, no use for those, but sometimes when you can replace that kit with an actual authentic experience where they're learning a skill along with it, and it's also part of the exact curriculum you're st- supposed, supposed to be teaching throughout the year, it just, I don't know, it it makes it way more engaging for me as a teacher. I feel there's more of a purpose, and I I, I get more into it as well. Right, I like, like
0: the idea that it's also engaging you. Yeah. And that's something that often in discussion gets taken out of it, equation so often when we when we talk education is how is it engaging the teacher as well and, and you know that gets back to what you were saying about passion uh shannon
2: yeah if you're not interested in the unit you're teaching no one will like <laughs> right. learning from you <laughs> and that right. we know that implicitly but it is it's kind of a dirty word to say yeah I, where do we fit in yeah the I. yeah but the i we're the ones developing that entire the framework as you were saying chris so you have to be central to it, even if you end up being the silent foundation. I think that um, it's too easy to justify not seeking out these opportunities because of that kind of language, because mm-hmm. we should be so focused on the kids, we shouldn't even think about what individual projects we might want to do, but actually that's where you unlock everything. Yeah, well,
0: and I think there's a value to we versus yeah. me and you, right? Right. I mean, if you can, if you can be in with your kids... You know, you might not be able to do it all the time, right? Um, I think of projects I had while I was in the classroom in English. You know, when we did um, when we did mock trial for Romeo and Juliet or uh, for you know the uh, Medea uh, play that we would we would put Medea on trial. Um, I was the judge, and so it became I became one of the players in that in that process. And it, you know, it was we on those days, and those were the days where. A lot of the other issues that people worry about fell away, you know, like talking about keeping everyone on task or keeping everyone on engaged or, or, you know, having to worry about, you know, any type of disciplinary or classroom management issues. Those were the days when it was we that it kind of just wasn't an issue. You don't even think about it because it's, it's us instead of, you know, here's me doing this thing to you.
2: Yeah, and the skills come in there, too. The standards that we have to honor, you just put them in the curriculum that you're excited about. Mm -hmm. There's no need to skip over all of the content that we are accountable to teach. You just figure out where it goes in this organic thing that you've created, and it's not hard.
0: Yep. Well, we're we're getting close on time. Um, I want to just kind of... See if, if you guys had anything else you wanted to add. I mean, how's, this, how's it going? Is this, was this a good experience? I, I think
1: it's a nice thing to share. And, like, I, I think uh, what I got, like, a new teacher um, survey when I've gone to the new teacher stuff this year. Right. And they said, what was your advice for another new teacher coming in? And I think it fits a lot with this as well, where I just said, like, ask for help. Like, people want to help you. Like, I would not have figured any of the stuff I've done this year out if it wasn't for my coaches. Um, also, even the league lead coach, Robbie Muncy, helped yeah. with the beekeeping, went to beekeeping class. you know, yeah, you together, yeah, yeah, like, LTIs have yeah. helped. Like, Willie Kallstrom helped with some of the Arduino, and they're helping build in some of the hive monitoring stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think just people do want to help. Other teachers in the school want to help, you know, and, like, uh, I think... That's for true. anybody, probably yeah. just being willing to, like, invite other people into your classroom, especially mm-hmm. people that, like, are here to help you in your classroom. I, I would just say helps with not just the grant but actually implementing these things now. Yeah. Like, I'm so happy I have coaches to help me implement, like, this aquaponics and beekeeping next year when I'm trying to make sure it's part of the curriculum, you know, and right. I mean, like having people to, like, give me a hand with that, yeah. you know? No, so,
0: uh, And I think, you know, one of the things I try to – when you say that or, or mention things like that, it makes me think of, you know, when we look at people who go into education, people go into education with good intentions, right? And people want to help, like you're saying. It's And it's not just coaches. It's like, you know, you have colleagues, you know, in your department, you've you got people that you work with. And, and just across departments in this building, you've got people who want to work together, right? So the, I think that's one of the things, too. You know, we were talking about going it alone on on a grant application. You know, a lot of people end up getting into a mindset too, in general, where they're thinking they gotta go it alone. There, a lot of people want to help in schools. That's why they're in a school. So.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think too. It's I remember being really new at teaching, and I'm still not that far along. Really lacking a lot of courage in my own ideas that they could be part of the classroom. Something that I absolutely wanted to do and would love to do, that I could do it. The I was waiting for somebody from on high to tell me, yes, you have permission. To sort of wave <laughs> yeah. their wand. Right. <laughs> yeah. Here's the curriculum framework. We made it. And, yep, right there is passion A. It's, <laughs> it's there for you. Yeah. And quickly I realized, oh, that's not how this works. You know, if good mm-hmm. teachers frequently come to the building because they were good students, you have to learn that you have to be the kind of student who seeks outside opportunities, who doesn't want everything done by the book. And that, having courage and confidence in that part of yourself will enable you to see so many opportunities you didn't see before. That's been really fun. As you grow as a teacher, really beginning to see how limitless the profession is Mm -hmm. in all of the very many different things that you can help kids understand. That's been one of the most rewarding parts of all of this um, for me a few years in.
0: Yeah. Great! Thank you guys for coming in. I I Thank really appreciate yeah. it. This is this is fun. Oh, I cool. like doing Thank this. Thank you. No, this was yeah. nice. I like being able to have the opportunity to just sit down and and talk without you know having to worry about what Bell's going to do or you know who's going to walk through the door yeah. asking <laughs> for this or that thing. As we can focus.
1: So, yeah. yeah. Yes. Is so nice. this
0: is good. So thanks a lot for cool. uh, for uh, right. spending this afternoon with me. Thank yeah. you, Darren, thanks for all your
1: brightness. help. Yeah. Right on. All right. All right. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. We did it. Yes.
2: It's true. This is what we call headspace. At the end of the day, Thomas yeah. and I will plan. Says I need headspace. Yeah. <laughs> On so we'll like a Saturday morning. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do it at PLC time. Yeah.
0: That's it for now. I hope you found that helpful. We covered a lot of ground, but then again, there's always more that could be covered. I will have on the ednarrative.com a grants resource page uh, posted, which has some of the places where I go when I start looking for uh, grant opportunities for teachers, so that um, maybe you can have a look at those things and and get started on your search. Um, Another thing to consider, and I think I might have mentioned this also in the podcast, but you can't gloss over it too much, is that. Um, If you're a member of an organization already, um, whether it's national, local, regional, whatever the case may be, make sure to check and see if they have grant opportunities. And sometimes, even if they don't have something posted, they may be willing to help you out financially with a project you've got. Anyway, that pretty much does it. Make sure you check out theednarrative.com, and uh, I'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.